Welcome to Pick and Pod. I'm Christian Goey with Charlie Maizano and Tyler Friere. The NBA regular season is done. It's officially done. Knicks fans can rejoice. They can get thinking about the lottery, the draft. And we got playoff basketball coming up on Saturday. Guys, we got to talk Knicks first. Then we're, then we're going to talk a little bit of Nets, and then we got to get to our picks for the for the playoffs. I know that's what Tyler wants to talk about, so we'll spend as, <laughs> as much time as we can talking playoffs. But the Knicks last night, 114-113 win over Philly. I was there for it. They're now tied for six uh, for that lotter- for the sixth spot uh, in the lottery with Minnesota. Obviously, it's the lottery, so you don't know what they're going to actually get, but they are tied for the sixth spot. Um a damaging win in that sense, but the main story was Carmelo Anthony after the game, talking about his future, talking about what this, how the season went for him. We kind of already knew, you know, his feelings on all that. Guys, I want to get your thoughts before we play some sound bites from him last night uh, on the Knicks ending the season with this win over Philly and what they're going to have to do and if Melo is going to be part of those plans going forward. I mean, hearing his comments after the game, it still sounds like a man who wants to stay in New York. He's been adamant about that the whole season. He loves his family here. He loves being a part of the Knicks organization, the perks that come along with it off the court as well as on the court. So I think deep down he wants to be a Nick, but you heard it in his comments, Christian. You were there after the game. He's all, he's about winning, and right now the Knicks are not producing a winning culture. So I'm not confident that he's going to stay with the Knicks come the summer. I, I think he's going to end up going out west. You said there are perks on the court. I don't think there are any <laughs> perks of being on the court with the Knicks. They flat out stunk this year. They stunk last year. Just been a terrible run for the Knicks in the past three to five years. I don't. I, if I'm mellow, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get out of New York and play on a winning team. Maybe possibly win a championship because he he's already 32 years of age and it's it's time for him to try and at least get to one finals in his career. He hasn't been to one NBA finals. Yeah, and and Mello is going to be meeting with Knicks management today. Uh, I don't know if the meeting's already happened, but they were supposed to meet today. And uh, Phil Jackson, according to ESPN, the Knicks uh, picked up his option, obviously, for the remaining two years. Not that that's really news. Dolan committed said he was committed to Jackson uh, during the whole Oakley incident. So not really surprising there. But I want to play some uh, some of what Mello said last night. What I found interesting was he really has no clue what's going to happen this offseason. That just shows, again, sort of the lack of communication between him and management and how Phil has handled the situation. Uh, let's play that clip. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. They might say, oh, we want to keep you, but you, we want your role to change next year. I don't, you know, they might ask me to come off the bench or something like that. I don't know. I got to be prepared for anything. Yeah, I mean, and like I was just saying before the clip, I think that's just the perfect illustration of how Phil Jackson's handled the situation. He has not communicated not only with the press and with the fans, but he hasn't even communicated with his own players. And I think that's a big problem. We see him on the court, obviously, before practice, sometimes talking to them. But he, the players, I don't think, know what the direction of this team is. And, and, and Car- Carmelo alluded to that. Yeah, I mean, Phil... Uh... He hasn't been the best uh, situation for Phil Jackson this year. He's actually uh, been facing a lot of scrutiny with that Charles Oakley situation, uh, as well as James Dolan. And just overall, he just hasn't done a good job in surrounding Carmelo Anthony with the correct pieces. And um, with the exception of drafting Perzingis, he hasn't really he 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 brought in Joe Kim Noah to one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. 
You have Courtney Lee, who you signed to almost $20 million a year, who I don't think is really worth that much. So you're surrounding Melo and Kristaps with, with, uh, with pieces that won't really necessarily let you contend for a championship. So just uh, just to look at it as a grand scheme of things, I don't think he's been a successful uh, pre- president of basketball operations for the Knicks. And um, it's it's got a long road ahead for these next two years, as we just heard. He uh, picked up the option for, for, for Phil Jackson. So it's going to be a tough two years to come. And uh, Melo has to make a tough decision. Well, let's just state the obvious. that The only reason why Phil Jackson is still here in New York is because he's the scapegoat for James Dolan. <laughs> All the fans hate him in New York. He had recently had an... Uh, an incident with a fan outside of the garden where he was screaming at him to sell the team. And James Dolan just doesn't want he doesn't want to deal with this stuff. He just wants to uh, go to the games, own the team, and he just wants to run the team the best way he he thinks is the best way. But it's he's not running it the way that the fans want him. He's they're, The Knicks are not winning, and it's just not good basketball here in New York, especially with the Nets being so bad as well. You know, Phil, talent evaluation, and you can attribute it a lot to... Uh, to Clarence Gaines, his top advisor, who was really the, the main voice for Porzingis in the draft. But he's been pretty good at evaluating talent. We've seen some of these foreign guys come over, Billy Hernan Gomez and Mindaugas Kuzmenskis, to come along with Christoph Porzingis. They have some young talent on the team that I think gets overlooked because of this whole philosophy, this whole triangle offense mentality that's just kind of, and, and all the Twitter and, and what he said about Melo. It's really been unfortunate that that's overshadowed, and that's all Phil's fault. I'm not saying it isn't. But what he's done that's positive, I think, is, look, Knicks fans are excited about the lottery. They're excited about the young guys. That's because of Phil. He kept those picks. He, he found some young talent. Obviously, the cons, you could say, outweigh the pros. I mean, the Joakim Noah contract, and, and I, want, I want to hear what you guys think. That is that the worst <laughs> contract in proportion to money? That we've ever seen the money that he got, I th- I think so. I mean, he's getting twenty two million dollars a year to basically give you five rebounds a game and two points. I mean, he's well past his prime when they brought him in. Uh, that four year contract just was eye opening. As soon as I seen it, I was just wow, I was just amazed. I, that I they think gave him it might years. be the worst contract Honestly, in the history of basketball. I think so too, and I'm not even just overstating it or just being over dramatic. I think that is the worst contract I have ever seen in basketball because he, he doesn't have any more time left. I don't think. Well, he he. Couldn't make a layup when he was on the court. No. And then when he 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 had a, he had knee surgery, he's got a torn rotator cuff, and he got suspended. He's out for like the next twelve games or eleven like games next games, year. Actually. But I think they now that he's active, like he's he's back. Okay. He's eventually oh, okay. like healthy. Okay. They they can like the last ten games, like they they use. counted towards the suspension. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he's got three different reasons why he couldn't play the end of the season, <laughs> and when he was on the court. He was awful. That's what I'm saying. He gives you two points and five rebounds a game. So I, I just think it was a terrible, terrible contract. But you mentioned Willie Herman Gomez, and I just want to quickly shout him out. He was probably going to be first-team all-rookie. And like you said, it's being overshadowed by the bad contracts Phil gave out, all the scrutiny on Twitter and all the trade rumors about Melo. That kind of gets right. pushed under the rug a little bit. But I just quickly wanted to allude to your point about Hern- Herman Gomez. And um, I think he's, he's going to be first-team all-rookie this year. He played well, very well at the end, end of this year. Well, since Joakim Noah is on the team and he's going to be on the team for the next three years, I mean, he's he's going to have to come off the bench or do something. I don't think you can like just store him on the bench and for him to do nothing. I mean, he's he's getting paid, so you got to do something with him. Yeah, and you know, it, just a tough situation. I can see why fans are are very angry with Phil. I'm angry with Phil. I'm more so angry with the fact that he has not been willing to talk to the press. He doesn't communicate. He doesn't reach out. 
to the fan base. He doesn't do what you should be doing in a time like this. And he's just kind of his his whole philosophy. Players don't want to play in it, and they don't want to play the the triangle offense. If he was coaching it, I'd feel confident about it. But he's not, uh, and that's a, that's a huge problem. As for Melo, he wants to stay here. He said he wants to stay here. He's committed to winning. He just wants to see that winning mentality, and and I get that. And then the last clip I want to play is. He d- and I, I will add, he really doesn't know. He, I mean, after the game, he really has no idea what their plans are. They're meeting today, so maybe it will be clarified. He said they might trade him, they might not. He, he just doesn't know what the, what their plan for him is. But I found what I found interesting was when he was asked if he, it's going to be tough trusting management going forward after all that's happened. Uh, he gave sort of a telling response. When you talk about people speaking directly. Of- you know, it's kind of hard to trust that anyway. You know, if somebody was talking bad about you indirectly at your job, you wouldn't. What would you do? You know, you would feel a certain way. And, you know, you just you you would want that person to come straight forward with you. And I, I feel the same way. So basically, saying yes, he's he's not very pleased with how things were handled. I mean, you have the president of your organization going on on Twitter and basically bashing your player at, with like <laughs> these small little weird tweets, um, and. Carmelo was a pro all season long, and that's what fans don't realize. I don't think fans see how much of a pro this guy is. He's he's a very nice guy. He's a professional, and he he's willing to answer every question. Um, and, and I was really pleased at how I mean, not how he played necessarily, but how he how he acted. And and that was a very tough situation. And that's thanks to the president of the team. And that's another problem with Phil. He's he may probably made their play suffer with all his uh his actions off the off the courtness. Yeah, and you much. and you mentioned the Twitter when he um he kind of highlighted a, a Kevin Ding article from uh from, right, B- right. from Bleacher Report, basically bashing Carmelo Anthony's complete basketball game, basically saying he's a a washed up superstar in the league, and right. and then Phil Jackson goes on Twitter and says, "Hey, you guys should read this article. It's a lot of good stuff." So he's basically throwing shade at his star player, and that's just a shame because you mentioned him. Melo is just the uh the ultimate professional. He kind of didn't want to make this a big thing in the media throughout the whole year, and meanwhile. It, Phil leaves it up for Melo to answer all these questions because he's never in front of a microphone and never in front of a, a camera to answer right. these questions. So it kind of puts Melo, your star player, in a really tough situation. And I don't blame him for wanting to explore his options elsewhere with the way that your president of basketball operations is treating your star player. It's just the way the way it was ho- handled the whole year is just really just rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I, I hope for the best for Melo. I would love to see him in a Knicks uniform still, but I just don't see it happening. No. No, this situation is really unprecedented for a superstar. Like, if you see, if you look at LeBron James or Dwayne Wade or any other marquee player in this league, they've never had to deal with a situation like this. Going into a season not knowing if you're going to be on the team that you want to play for, that you committed to long term, it's just it's just really weird. And I, I like like Tyler said, I hope Melo stays in New York. I hope that the Knicks return to winning basketball and they have a winning mentality. Same. But who knows? Who knows with Phil Jackson anymore? Well, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want Melo to stay just because I just don't know if it can work out anymore. But, um, you know, as for maybe the positive side of this all, you know, we got to realize if if you're a Nick fan that Christoph Porzingis is still there. Yes, yeah. he has some injury problems already. Uh, Hernan Gomez, as we mentioned, and some other young talent. And you have potentially a top five pick in the draft. We'll see where they land. Uh, in, in a, a loaded lot of, draft, too. In a, in, in a very special draft class. Uh, they're not going to probably get the one or two pick. I, I, nah. They have a 5.3% chance, I think, of getting the number one pick in the draft uh, now that they're tied for the sixth spot with, with Minnesota. Um, 
So we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, and, and Brooklyn is another positive sort of ending to the season. Yeah. Um, not that the Knicks was a positive ending, but that the lottery part was. But Brooklyn ended 11 and 13 since March 1st. They played well uh, despite the lack of talent, and they didn't have the controversy that the Knicks had, and they just played basketball. And I think if you're a Nets fan, despite not having the number one pick in this year's draft, potentially, uh, you have to be somewhat pleased at how Kenny Atkinson and, and how Brooke Lopez and some of their guys played. Yeah, um, Brooke Lopez and Jeremy Lin, they've been doing, they did a great job this year. At the time, they were on the court because uh, Jeremy Lin actually suffered a hamstring injury in November, and he never really was 100% the whole year. Right. So I think if he was not – if he didn't hurt that hamstring early on, they're not a 20-20-62 20, 20 team. But I want to kind of highlight uh, Sean Marks here because he kind of took on a team that uh, had all the wrongdoings right. from Billy King. And uh, a phrase he used a lot was, um, it's the hand that we were dealt with. Um, it kind of looked like a cop-out type of type of quote, but as a year gone, went on, he kind of uh, had to reconstruct this team. He brought in Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, he actually waived Yogi Ferrell, which I thought was not a good move. Right, that doesn't look good now. It doesn't look good now, but he actually brought on uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Who's, who I like Dinwiddie. He's not yeah, a bad Din- player. He kind of reminds me of a Lance Stevenson. He's like a tall, lanky point guard right. who, who'll be your backup. So They um, found Kilpatrick as well. Yeah, Sean Kilpatrick is probably one of the top bench scorers in the league right now. Uh, he averages about 14 and a half a game. Um, Mark's brought in about 30 new staff members at the start of this year. So we knew going in that this was a rebuild year. Right. Uh, he he kind of brought in a bunch of guys from San Antonio, um, either scouts, assistant coaches, um, people who, who've been in that San Antonio tree and learned under Greg Popovich and learned right. that championship culture. So I just think this whole season was about the changing of the culture. And I think Sean Marks did a great job. And Kenny Atkinson is – is an excellent head coach, and I feel like people aren't going to give him the credit that he deserves simply because of the record, but right. he's done a great job at moving all these pieces around and uh, kind of finding a way for this team to compete at the end of the year, even though it's really for nothing they're going to get their pick to um, to the Celtics. But I just think Sean Marks did a great job at uh, actually trading Bojan Bogdanovic also to, to squeeze back into the middle of the, this draft because they had no draft picks going into this year, but then they made a couple deals, and now they got two going into this really loaded first first round draft. So yeah. I just think it, it, this this was a rebuild year going in, so we kind of seen it coming. But Sean Marks did a great job throughout the year, even though the record's not going to reflect. But next year he's going to have all his pieces in place. He's going to have all his people and a full offseason to really work with this team and, and build a contender. So uh, we mentioned it on this podcast before. I think the Brooklyn Nets are probably going to be better off come a uh, come couple years to come. Yeah, they're definitely going to be in a better position than the Knicks long term. Uh, you just got to look at everything Sean Marks has done this year. They have the 22nd pick this year. They have the 27th yeah. and the 50 and the 52nd pick. So although, like Christian alluded to, we they not they're probably not going to have the first pick potentially because of that trade from Billy King with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. But overall, he did some really good things this year. Karis Levert that they he's drafted a, from Karis Michigan, Levert, he's yeah. legit. He's a legit he, player. He, he's he's looking really good for the future. I like Isaiah Whitehead from from Coney Island in Brooklyn yeah. who went to Seton Hall. Yeah. And he, we got the Nets are going to be set for the future. I'm just really um confused about what they're going to do with Brook Lopez right. cuz he he just passed Buck Williams as their Nets all-time leading scorer. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to want to trade him for maybe another first-round pick in the draft or if they want to build a, keep building around him and Jeremy Lin and all these young guys. 
Well, I think he would get a lot because we heard during the trade deadline his name surfaced a lot of, for first-round picks, and the Nets did not trade him. Uh, those were just rumors. We don't know, but I think they would get a lot for Brook Lopez. Uh, as far as you know, the, look, it's gonna be it's still gonna be a, a long process for the Nets. They're not gonna be good for the next three, four years. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. they're not gonna be a playoff team maybe for four, three, four years. Uh, so I don't want to say they're on a better path than the Knicks because the Knicks have an actual superstar talent in Kristaps Porzingis, and they have another potential superstar after this year's draft. So I don't want to say they're better than the Knicks right now, but they don't have the controversy that the Knicks have and maybe the lack of direction that the Knicks have. That's obviously yeah. very big, but talent-wise, the Knicks are still in a much better situation than the Nets. Uh, the Nets, though, like you said, Sean Marks has done a heck of a job. He he didn't have a good hand to deal with. They didn't have any talent on the roster. They have no assets, and he's got an assets. He's got in young players like Karis LeVert, like Sean Kilpatrick, like Isaiah White, and Rondé House Jefferson. I like a lot. Too. Yeah, and yeah. he's a really good defender. Yeah, they can be a solid team next year if if Jeremy Lin's healthy. But they're not gonna they're not gonna be in playoff contention in my opinion for another three four years. I think I think they have a chance to maybe possibly possible land uh, possibly land a free agent um that could be their best right. bet towards contending next year but like that's really hard to do and no one's going to want to come to a team that's the worst record in the league so like you said it's going to take a couple years but i think Sean Marks has got them in the right direction and the changing of culture i think was the most important he's, part he's probably done as good a job as you can do with it, that yeah. with that situation i agree yeah. and, and we've heard their na- we've heard the nets connected to overseas talent they're really scouting overseas talent because they they don't have draft picks and that and that comes back to the san antonio coming from right. Sean Marks because that's the way they, they do things over there. So although Nets fans can be depressed, I think they actually do have a lot to look forward to because they have good management, because yeah. they have a coach, because they have a GM that really know what they're doing. And, and it's going to take time, but it, it, you can't look back and say, well, you know, you can't just harp on that trade because it's over. And the Nets have the pick, and the Nets have the pick next year. So, <laughs> I, I mean, the, <laughs> the Celtics, Celtics, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. So it, you're just going to have to play with the hand that you're dealt with, as as Marks did, and he's doing as good a job as you can do uh, with that situation. Uh, that's Nets and Knicks. Uh, enjoy the offseason if, if, if that's possible. <laughs> uh, we'll be watching playoff basketball, and, and let's get into the playoffs. Yes. Uh, it starts on Saturday, first round. Uh, some of the matchups that that you guys are looking forward to. I, I know I'm looking forward to Washington, Atlanta, just because I like Washington's game. Um, I mean, I'm not really looking forward to Atlanta. I should, <laughs> take that back. But Washington, I, I I think is a key team to watch in the Eastern Conference. Who are who are the matchups that? You, what are the matchups that you guys are looking for? I'm going to say this one, and I know it's probably taking uh, Charlie's. It's Houston and um, Oklahoma City. I know everybody's yeah, got this circled up on their on their calendar because this is the two MVP candidates, two of the best seasons we've ever seen in the league, with Harden leading the league in assists and second in points, and not to mention Russell Westbrook averaging a triple double. So I think that series. It's going to be so competitive. It's going to be so fast-paced. A lot of three-pointers. So I'm so excited to see that series. But on the East, it would probably be uh, it would probably be that Washington-Atlanta series, like you said, just because I'm really, I'm really high on Washington this year. I think they can make a lot of noise. So just to cap off the East and West, I got the Rockets and uh, and, and uh, Thunder as my most compelling matchup in the West. And then the East is uh, Washington-Atlanta, just like Christian. Yeah. Yeah, the East is so boring. It's yeah. boring. So you got to kind of search for something in the East. But I, I like Washington a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna for the West. I'm not gonna go with the typical Thunder Rockets uh, pick. So I'm just gonna go with the Clippers and, yeah. and the Jazz because yeah. I think that that series has a legitimate a shot series. to going six or seven games. Yeah, especially with the Clippers, they they're trying to get 
to the Western Conference Finals at least for the first time in a while. Chris yeah. Paul has never gotten there, so he's going to have a chip on his shoulder, especially after last year, him yeah. and Blake Griffin getting hurt in the first round against the Blazers. Yeah. And for the East, I'm probably going to go with the Celtics and Bulls. I know it's a 1-8 series. But the but the Bulls, I think they have a run in them. Not, yeah, definitely, I do too. I definitely think, not to go far, but maybe like go six or seven, or make six, it to the second yeah. second round and then get eliminated. I could see like Jimmy Butler just going off on on Chicago on uh, Boston and getting them a win or two uh, at Chicago. So I think Chicago Boston might be a little more competitive than we're giving uh, Chicago credit for. So I think that's a good series to look yeah. for in the East. The West, I'm on board with both of you guys. I mean. The MVP candidates going head-to-head, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, and these were two spectacular MVP seasons. Um, Obviously, the first player to average triple-double since Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook and then James Harden uh, has had an incredible year. But uh, Utah, Tyler, I know you're a Clippers guy, Yeah. but I like Utah. I'm a big Utah fan. They haven't been there in a while. They're finally a really good team again. They're so good defensively with Rudy Gobert and George Hill, and they have Gordon Hayward leading the way. I really love what Utah's building there. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is my defensive player of the year right now. He leads the league in blocks. He's the Eiffel. He's a legit Eiffel Tower for that. For that, uh, <laughs> the Jazz, Frenchman. The Frenchman for that defense. Uh, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league uh, as in terms of efficiency. So being a Clipper guy, you guys know this. I'm a big Chris Paul fan, big Clipper yeah. fan for the past couple of years. I'm a little worried about this series simply because of Gordon Hayward's emergence as a superstar and their defense. Yeah. And to go along with uh Quinn Quinn Snyder, I believe. He's yeah. he's done a really great he's a job. Good coach. Yeah, he's done a great job with this group. So it's that series I can see going six or seven. Um I think Clippers will end up taking it, but like Christian said, that defense of the Jazz is not to be uh to not take uh, lightly. So that's gonna be a really good series as well. I will give the Clippers the edge on experience, especially because this is, uh, I think this is Gordon Hayward's first playoff appearance right. appearance along with Rudy Gobert. Right. Yeah. They do have guys like Joe Johnson and um and other, and other players with better playoff experience but uh, you just can't doubt against the clippers this series and then next series i think it's going to be warrior warriors clippers it uh, sorry tyler i think utah's <laughs> going to win i, I think yeah. they're a better team uh but they are a lower seeding so they don't have they don't have home. the home court yeah. they don't have home court if the Clippers do lose in the first round, do they blow it up? Yeah. 100%. Is this is this team just completely different next year? I think if they do end up losing to the Utah Jazz, and let's say it's a seven-game series, um, one of those players, and one I mean about Chris Paul or Blake Griffin, are going to end up leaving. I think it would end up being Blake Griffin because Chris Paul right. has said on the record, he says, I want to stay in L.A. He loves L.A. Similar to what Carmelo wants to do in New York. He loves his family in L.A. He loves... Just right. being a part of the Clippers and being in L.A. actually helps his brand as well as Melo helping his brand in New York. So I think Chris Paul will end up staying and Blake leaving if they end up losing in the first round. But I want to throw this guy. I want to throw this out to you guys. Let's say they get to the second round of the playoffs and go six or seven games with the Warriors. Do you blow it up then? Or do you say, hey, we went six or seven games with the best team in the league. Let's, let's, still let's think, stick, still let's think stick around. I I just don't see the Warriors getting worse. They're only going to get better, in my opinion, the Warriors. Yeah. They're only going to get better as Durant continues to play with them. And I, I just don't see a path right now for Chris Paul in the West. I just don't. Uh, I, I think his best option is honestly, if we're, this is ludicrous, Knicks. he would never do it, is honestly the Knicks. I mean, if, <laughs> if he really wanted to have the best chance of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals and having a chance at getting to the Finals, it would be with Carmelo and Kristaps in New York. Obviously, that would be dumb because Phil Jackson's there and that would be a headache for everybody yeah. but 
if he wanted a path to the championship, it's in the East. I, I don't necessarily see it for them in the West, but that, that's a little tangent. I, <laughs> I think the Clippers are in a bad situation despite all their talent because they just have so much competition there. And San Antonio is so good. Houston's better. Houston's honestly better than the Clippers. And now you have Utah coming out, and they're looking really good. It's just it's only going to get harder for, for, for Chris Paul in the West as he gets older and as his team gets more and more impatient. Well, how about you take your situation and flip it around and say Carmelo <laughs> gets traded to the Clippers? Yes. Well, yeah, that's, that's Gr- what I think is the most Blake Griffin, I, maybe you'll just, for argument's sake, he goes to Oklahoma City and plays with Russell Westbrook. Right. Then you got Chris Paul. DeAndre Jordan, Carmelo Anthony. You could, I guess, you could re-sign JJ Redick since he's a free agent. I don't know how much right. money you can give him, yeah. but that's a legit starting four right there. And then you just, you just have to get a, a, um, a small forward. The thing is, then if Blake Griffin were to go to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, that's another team in the West that could potentially be be better than them. I think Russell Westbrook and Griffin is even better than Carmelo, Chris Paul, and DeAndre potentially. Can I-, I don't know, but it could be. Can I say something before you guys like finish putting the dirt on the Clippers here <laughs> into their grave? Let's, I don't mean to. I'm just let's, let's let's say, for argument's sake, let's say the Clippers find a way to beat the Warriors in the second round of the playoffs, and there's a thirty for thirty on it next year. This be the, <laughs> it's going to be the upset for the ages. Let's just say, for argument's sake, they find a way to beat the Warriors and probably the biggest upset right. of the past twenty years in basketball. And then and, lose to San Antonio and then they in the lose, West. <laughs> I was gonna say that, and they still don't get to the finals. Do you blow it up? I don't know. We can go on about this for for a while, but I just I'm not gonna it's just tough. It's tough. I'm not gonna say it's a sure thing that the Warriors are gonna beat the beat the Clippers. I might be the only one in the world saying that. I could be a little biased, but you are a little biased. Very, very biased. Everybody's everybody's a little biased. <laughs> so hey, in a in a month from now, I might be the smartest person in the world. So we, who knows? Right. I mean, I look. I, I'm pulling for you. That would be a, a, a really cool series to say. Um, but let's go through let's go through our predictions. So we have a few minutes here. Uh, let's start in the East. Let's get the boring matchups <laughs> out of the way. Boston, Chicago. You said Charlie that you think Chicago has a little run in them. I think it's going to be a little more competitive, but I still think Boston's going to win. Maybe it, it, Chicago pulls out a game. Yeah, I agree. I, I did. I do think they have a run in them. Maybe take it to six or seven games, but. You just got to go with Boston in this series. Right. Yeah. If you remember that uh, Chicago Boston series from 09, it went seven overtimes in uh, seven games. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be a really tough one, but Boston's going to win that one in five or six, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'd say six or seven, not five or six. All right. There you go. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, The next one is Washington, Atlanta. Washington, really good team, guys. Love Uh, Washington. Bradley Beal and John Wall putting it together. Finally, they're finally that combo where you can say, man, they're the second best guard combo potentially in the NBA. Maybe Lillard McCollum behind Curry and Clay Thompson, but Wall Beal definitely right there. I'm going Washington. I think it's going to be a five game series. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I think Washington's going to win this one. Um, you mentioned it. Wall and Beal took a little while to mesh, and uh, this is the first year where they actually uh, have been a legitimate contender. So, I'm going to go Washington in the series in probably five. I, I don't think I'm not that high on Atlanta, so yeah. I would go Washington. Yeah, I'm just going to keep it simple and say I think Washington's going to win in five. You got Markeith Morris and Marcin Gartat also in that starting lineup, so uh, they're they're pretty loaded in on their bench as well. Uh, they got they got Bojan Bogdanovic from the Nets. In that trade, so I think that the Wizards are going to easily take take out the Atlanta Hawks. Pretty amazing job by Scott Brooks, proving once again how good of a coach he is. They yeah. started off so poorly in the beginning of the season; they were really bad that first month of the season, and then they just completely ch- turned their season around, and they've just been steamrolling since. Uh, Toronto, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, versus DeRozan and Lowry. Uh, <laughs> gotta go, Toronto. They're the home team. 
I'll say five as well with Toronto. And I don't like Toronto. See, yeah, I know, I know that, but <laughs> I, I, I think Giannis is going to find a way to squeeze a couple games out of this series. Okay. It's going to be, I think, six, a four-two win for Toronto. Um, Toronto seems to always be knocking on the door, but they never really seem to open it. So they'll get to the second round, possibly conference finals, but they're not going to. It's going to be the Cavs in the finals. That's a little thinking further ahead, but right. I got um, yeah. <laughs> I got. I'm gonna go with yeah. the. I the got Ra- the Raptors. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Raptors. I, I'm. I think I'm gonna regret this, but I think they're gonna win in four. But especially with the Sleep Raptors, them. they've they've known to choke. Especially <laughs> last a uh, couple of years ago against the Wizards, they got. I think they got swept by them at that point. They choked against the Nets when they had Gar- Garnett and Pierce. So uh, Kyle Lowry just came back from injury. Uh, he's averaging 17.3 points per game. He's starting to step his game up since coming back from. Right from that uh, injury he had. DeMar DeRozan playing really well. They did get Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline. So they, they got plenty they got plenty of players to get to the second round and maybe make it to the conference finals. But uh, who, who knows who knows with the Raptors. And then uh, Cleveland, Indiana, that's a sweep in my opinion. I mean, maybe maybe five games. Maybe Indiana gets one at home because Cle- Cleveland loves to give that one game to, a, to an opposing team. But I could very, it could very easily be a sweep. Yeah, no, LeBron turns that switch on come playoffs. So I think that's a sweep. I agree as well. Cavs are, I, I would say probably five because I think Paul George and Lance Stevenson can win a maybe game. Maybe one. Maybe maybe, maybe like Miles game, Turner. Maybe really game three in Indiana. The crowd is pumped. They get that win, and then that, that's yeah, it. Get, that's get that's, that one. Out that's of a wrap. And then uh, let's go to West. Uh, Golden State, Portland. I think that's a sweep. Sweep. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I like Lillard and McCollum, but Golden State's been on a roll. Lillard did say uh, Blazers in six. <laughs> Blazers in six. I mean, I love Lillard. <laughs> He's a guy that doesn't ever get to 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 an all-star game because it's so good there guards wise in the west but he's an all-star player he's a great player and i would love to see portland get them a run i just don't see it happening mm. clippers utah oh wait try, uh, did we skip Utah? no 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 so we I, just went through that i, I said quickly, i said huh? sweep i said sweep yeah <laughs> You said sweep as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, running through this so quickly, I don't even know what we're saying sometimes. <laughs> uh, Clippers, Utah. I'm going Utah in seven. Oh, man. Do you guys even need my prediction? It's, uh, <laughs> it's Clippers in uh, six, I'm going to say. I'll say Clippers in seven. All right. Okay. Uh, we finally disagreed on one series. I, I, I See, I was the outlier right there. Houston, Oklahoma City. Houston's going to win in six. Uh, I think it's going to be a great series as far as Harden versus, versus Westbrook. They're going to put up some big box scores, but it's going to be Houston. I'm going Thunder in seven, Ooh, man. Mr. I like that. Mr. Triple-Double, man. I'm, I'm riding with, with Russell, man. Brody. I'm going uh, real th- quick. Who's your MVP? Oh, Russell Westbrook. Without I've been saying on the show and with my friends a lot, a lot, I just say James Harden. I like Harden too, but I, I Westbrook got the triple double. He's kind of had to give it to it's him. History. James, James it's Harden history. is only averaging two less rebounds per game. He's only he's averaging eight point five. I know. And the their team is better. He, and he did he's say, just a better player, too. He, he said in the interview, I thought wins are what matters for MVP. So yeah. 42, that's all I'm going to say. 42 <laughs> triple-doubles. <laughs> I know. I, I'm good with either I, one I of think, them. Winning. I think Westbrook will get it, but I personally would have. If I had a vote, I would vote for Harden. Okay. And, and who do you have, Charlie? Houston or OKC? I got Houston in the series. Houston. I'd say in about... I'd say about either five or six. Not wow. go, definitely oh, not going to seven. No way. No definitely way. not going to seven. <laughs> and then lastly, San Antonio, Memphis. San Antonio, I'll say in five. Memphis is a pretty good team. They don't ever get the credit they're due, but uh, I, I'd say five, maybe six potentially, but five. A little a rematch of the Western Conference Finals back in 2014, if you right, remember. Yeah, right. that was a good one. That was a great one. So um, 
a little added uh, motivation for the Grizzlies, but they're not going to win more than one Fisdale's game. done a good job there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just think they they got a tough draw with the Spurs. They'll, they'll lose in five. I'm going to go out on a whim here and go with the dark horse pick in the Memphis Grizzlies. No! Oh, that's crazy. No! If you guys don't remember, they, the, the Grizzlies were the eight seed and the Spurs were the one seed. I'd say when about was that? 2007, 2008, like 2009, that, yeah. one of those years. No one had picked the Spurs. I mean, no one had picked the Grizzlies. I love I'm, it. I'm picking the Grizzlies in the series. Who knows? They might get swept, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say you got Marcus All back. You got okay. Mike Conley back. All these all these guys didn't play in the playoffs last year when they did get swept. By the I think they did play the Spurs last year when they did, when they uh, faced each other. Okay, so, so we uh, have some some hot takes. This is my kinda. this is my dark horse <laughs> pick, but I'm just I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so I have Utah beating the Clippers. Uh, Tyler has OKC beating Houston, and you have Memphis beating San Antonio. So some underdogs there that we're picking. I, I like it. We needed we needed to mix it up. The East was too boring, <laughs> and we we covered it in the West. Uh, I hope you enjoyed picking pod to whoever to whoever is listening. Uh, again, uh, we'll be back next week to talk more playoff basketball. And uh, Tyler, again, thank you producing and hosting. Of course, and of course. Charlie coming in as well with some hot takes as well at the end. Uh, thanks again. I'm Christian Goey. We'll see you next week. Everybody get up, it's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam.